You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we're back with episode 69. Nice. With our special guest, TD. It's been a while, TD. How you doing? What do you think of the playoff hockey in the bubble so far? And just uh, how are things going? Uh, everything's good on my end. Um, I'm just happy to be watching hockey. I'm actually back on the ice, too, skating a couple times a week. But more importantly, watching hockey. And uh, very surprised and, and really impressed with the job that the NHL did. Uh, I know Gary Bettman takes a lot of heat for a lot of things that he's done over the last 30 years or 28 years, whatever it is that he's been commissioner. But man, what a great job. I mean, after the first couple of games, and it was good that they got, you know, got to see an exhibition game and a couple of games that really didn't count right away. But you, you really don't even realize that the, the crowd is not there anymore. Um, with the uh, video screens and obviously the, uh, you know, it's amazing. They've got um, the announcers, I guess, from every arena are actually doing the announcing of the goals. And I don't know if that's taped with every player uh, or that's actually there live, but uh, everything about it has just been fantastic. So, uh, and the hockey has been, you know, playoff hockey, like we were, like we're used to seeing, uh, you know, started off a lot of penalties. And now, of course, now that we're into the, the, the real first round, um, Refs kind of putting the whistles away. I was watching the Philly, um, the Philly Montreal game last night, and I saw Brendan Gallagher, who I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people don't particularly care for him, but man, he took a cross check to the teeth by Niskanen, and the referee just kind of looked at him and kind of said, "Yeah, Shrugged okay, go about your business." So, uh, now the hockey's been fantastic, and like I said, it's really the league's done a great job, and it's great to see hockey on TV again. Yeah, I mean, for a while there in the beginning, I was a little turned off by it but you know the only thing i do miss is the you know obviously the home ice advantage uh i feel like is kind of big in hockey in the playoffs uh you know especially you know especially teams like uh you know winnipeg where they do the white out and stuff like that i just feel like in nashville where the crowd gets just absolutely rowdy before the game you kind of miss that aspect of it but you know overall you just got to take you know take hockey for what it is right now and um you know i'm certainly happy it's back I got a quick question for you because I know you'll be able to answer this question is with all the games that are being played on the same sheet of ice, how are they keeping it relatively like uh, you know, good quality? Because I know playing in youth hockey tournaments, like by the end of the weekend, it's, it's shot the shit. 
So, um, well, first of all, the, the, the arenas that they're using, obviously two of the newer arenas, Edmonton is about maybe three or four years old. I think the Toronto buildings, maybe six or seven. And they, they all figured out about 15 years ago that the most important thing uh, in keeping the ice, um, you know, healthy is, is dehumidification. And, um, I think that's another reason why they chose not to go to Vegas because no, I know that that's a brand new building and that they've got tremendous air conditioning and dehumidification, but it's still when it's 115 degrees outside at this time of year, I don't think they would have been able to keep the ice there. So being up in Edmonton and up in Toronto, even though it's been pretty warm in the Northeast um, the last few weeks. Um, and then the other thing, the, a big factor is, is the fact that there isn't 18,000 people that are, you know, 98.6 body temperature, uh, breathing hot air in the building that makes such a big difference too so and um you know i'm sure they figured out to you know the ice the, the apparently the perfect ice temperature is 19 degrees uh, if you get any uh higher than that obviously the ice gets soft but if it gets any harder than that any colder than that it gets hard and starts to chip a lot so um they've been able to you know they've done a great job obviously figuring out how to keep the maintaining a, a, a very specific temperature of the ice and again this is something that they've all learned over the last 15 years or 20 years or so uh between dehumidification air conditioning and and the proper ice temperature and now obviously the chillers are brand new. Um, so they, they've really, um, they've really figured it out. So um, I, I think that, again, not having 18 to 20,000 people in the stands has obviously made a big difference, but, and they, you know, they're spacing out the games. I know, you know, it was unbelievable. The fact that the very first game of the, of the, of the playoffs here, uh, you know, the real playoffs, not to play in games, but the playoffs, we, you know, you get a five overtime game and, you know, anywhere else, any other season wouldn't have mattered. But when you have another game to play, they ended up having to push the game back. And I'm sure that was their, you know, their worst nightmare coming true that, you know, the very first, is this what we're going to be running into now is we're going to have to have double, triple, quadruple overtime games where teams aren't going to be able to play that second game. Um, you know, if it was a second game, yeah, play till two o'clock in the morning, who cares? But in the first game, uh, when you've got another team waiting, um, but apparently I think they've only had to push back. I think there was a double overtime game a few days ago. They had to push back like an hour. Um, but other than that, it's gone pretty well. So, And that was the game that got pushed back to the following day. It was the Bruins Carolina game. And Correct. That game that, they they skipped a day, but there was yeah. another game that got pushed, pushed back like an hour, an hour and a half. Cause it was, I think it was a Boston Carolina went to double overtime. And I think they had yeah. another game after, I think the Montreal Philly game that got pushed back an hour after that. So, but it's, it's been, Look, I uh, like I said, considering what's going on in the world uh, and the conditions of, of everything going on, the fact that they've been able to, you know, and, and again, kudos to the league. I think they've done now over 9,000 COVID tests with zero positive. I mean, it's just amazing. And you see what's going on in baseball. You know, I, I looked at the standings the other day uh, at Central National League Central. The St. Louis Cardinals had played five games. Everybody else had already played oh. 17. So, I, I mean, how do you make that up when you're in a 60-game schedule? You guys are going to play, you know, they're going to play 10 double headers, you know, over the course of two or three weeks to catch up. And that's all because those guys are not quarantined. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're doing what they can. I guess a lot of players are doing a good job. But, you know, I think some guys have gone out and tore it up in a nightclub one night and brought it back to the team, and they shut them down for two weeks. So, um, so again, kudos to the NHL. Every guy, uh, you know, is bought in and, uh, and has done a fantastic job. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I do want to get into, obviously, the Rangers and their play inside the bubble. 
I believe you listened to our last podcast where we kind of tore the Rangers apart a little bit with their effort and showing in the uh, the only three games that they played. Well, actually, four games that they played, including the Island, Islander. You know, uh, I guess that was a tune-up game. Play, yeah, yeah tune-up game. You had a problem with our analysis, pretty much knocking the Rangers in terms of effort and just, you know, overall just not really showing up to play. Uh, Andy, I know you, you know, kind of were with me and being a little disappointed in how the Rangers played, not expecting maybe to win the series, but at least put up a little bit of an effort and kind of make it interesting. Um, Andy, do you want to just summarize what we said and then let TD uh, kind of, you know, voice his opinion on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think on your, and my, in our, our view, I think like, like you said, we weren't expecting them to win, uh, any of the games. Like I, I don't even, it wasn't so much that they got swept. It was just, it was, you know, seeing, you know, uh, shifts by the, by some of the older players getting to string together some offense and just not, you know, I, I, you could definitely see no one was getting the puck touches they wanted. So I think with hindsight, uh, it, you could definitely tell that because it was hard for them to play, you know, the system they were trying to, uh, you know, David Quinn system. It's that, you know, some of the guys made some, uh, took it upon themselves to make some hero plays, hold on to the puck. And that's where we were able to see at least them garner generate some sort of offense. But yeah, just, it was just disappointing to not see, some of the older guys, especially the guys that had been in the playoffs before, uh, not be able to get anything going for three games. So I think that was our position. But, you know, I definitely uh, would, you know, I'm definitely interested to to hear uh, TD's take on it. So, you know, I think a lot of people were picking the Rangers to win that series, even, you know, all the so-called experts. And, and I, I'm, honestly, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I, I told one of my friends who's a Rangers season ticket holder, obviously not going to any game this year. We talked a lot about it. And I said, there's no way the Rangers are going to beat this team in the playoffs because, number one, you're talking about a team that last year knocked off the Stanley Cup champions and then um, went all the way to the conference finals. They're built for the playoffs. Right now, the Rangers are not built for the playoffs. And and we, I think everybody still forgets. Everybody watched the regular season. They had some couple of nice winning streaks. They were scoring a ton of goals. But this team is a team that was completely – dysfunctional two just little over two years ago that was not set up for success and in two years you know I, I still say Jeff Gordon should be general manager of the year he's done a fantastic job but there's still a long way to go and I know that's what we're hearing there's still a long way to go we all know that and this was a very very good example that there really are still a long way to go they have a goaltender in place they have Adam Fox on, on and Ryan Lindgren a great top two certainly a top four pair of D they got Jacob Truga who I think took a year to, and I, and I think a lot of people were critical of him. He did get smoked a couple of times. He got he got he got beat, but he was also you know the only guy they had back there that scares anybody. You know, no one's scared of Mark Stahl because he's not quick enough. Uh, you know, Brendan Smith is is you know he's got a lot of toughness, but and he did have a couple of nice hits. But realistically, is he a guy that other teams are out there? You know, do you think Tom Wilson's afraid of is afraid of? Uh, of Brendan Smith, he's not, you know, so um, Carolina was not fearful being in the Rangers zone at any time ever. They really weren't. Um, they've got some tremendous skill players. Their first line uh, is certainly, certainly as good as the Rangers first line. And the problem with the Rangers first line is that it has Chris Kreider on it. And, 
and you know we'll and we'll get into the I think James you had on your on your list of topics talking about the captaincy. That guy, um, I think the Rangers are really going to rue the day they sign him to that to that contract. I really believe they are because this is a guy who, if they thought that giving him more money and longer term and security was going to turn him into somebody who now is going to show up every single night, it's not going to happen. He's going to be 29 years old. He's never going to be that guy. He never has been. He'll show up for one game, two games, maybe three, and then he'll take three or four games off, and you won't even hear his name. Um so, and that's what happened to him. First two games back, he's, you know, maybe he's thinking, no, we'll, we'll win this series, I'll coast, and then I'll crank it up in the next series. But it never happened. I mean, he really, the first two nights, he did nothing. And what really frustrates you is game three shows up. Now their backs are against the wall. Now Chris Kreider decides to show up and play, play hockey. But if you've got your top line with a guy that doesn't show up, okay, and then you've got 11 guys in your lineup, that have never sniffed the playoffs. And no matter what, you can watch all the hockey in the world you want until you're out on the ice in a playoff situation, okay, and understand now, holy smokes, this is a different game. Talk about taking away time and space. I mean, look at Adam Fox. He was unbelievable all season long. Clearly one of the top five rookies, obviously, one of the top three rookie defensemen with, with you know, with Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. He was definitely number three as a defenseman. But all of a sudden now everyone's like, whoa, where, where's Adam Fox? He's got no time and space. It's all taken away. Um, and, you know, you got Lindgren who's never played a, played a playoff game. You've got all the forwards that have never played a playoff game. Heedle, you know, where was Heedle? This and, and and believe it or not, I think we even know that some of the rookies, some of the first second uh, first and second year players, were actually some of the Rangers' better players. But you know what, yeah. Brady Shea, who you know I, I used to say, you know, played three years with the Rangers in the last three seasons, could have skated with eggs in his pocket, wouldn't have broken one of them. All of a sudden, now he wipes out one of our our heart and soul guys in the first shift of the game. You know, where where was that from Brady Shea for the last five years? Maybe he would still be on the team if he played like that a little bit more often. And I've been watching him, you know, the rest of the way. He's been pretty good. So you know, maybe that's an indictment of of, of Lindy Ruff and how he's coached. But um, when that ha- that hit happened. <clears throat> I think everybody kind of knew they were in trouble. You know, you're basically seeing a guy almost get carried off the ice in the first shift. All of a sudden, all these rookies are like, whoa, wait a second. This is not this is not the regular season that I'm used to. Uh, this is the real deal. And I really think that had a major effect. And, and again, you know what? Every team's got to lose before they can win. And certainly in the playoffs, you know, very, you won't see a team, you know, would obviously the exception of Vegas. And I have a whole nother theory on that. And we can talk about another day, but a team like the Rangers, who's in the building mode, you're not going to, you're not going to come out there and knock, knock off a team like Carolina in a playoff situation because of the fact that, like I said, look what they did last year in the postseason, knocking off the Stanley cup champions, sweeping the Islanders. And then, and then, you know, going up against Boston, the eventual, uh, obviously Stanley cup runner up in the seven game series. Um, so they're they're built for the playoffs. That team, they're coached for the playoffs. They're built for the playoffs. And I didn't think the Rangers. I never thought they had a chance in that series. So, yeah. I listen. When Jesper when Jesper Foss got hurt, I knew the Rangers were going to be in trouble. I've seen this story before. When you take a player who's, um, you know, he's not. I, I would say he's like the pulse of the Rangers. He does all the all the little things correctly. He's a veteran guy. Uh, Nobody really gives him credit for what he does. He's, you know, with the hardest worker. I thought in the Ottawa series where, um, uh, where we got knocked out the last time against Ottawa, I thought he was our best player all series. I knew we were in trouble. I've seen a story before when Zuccarello got hurt uh, in the playoffs, and I think off McDonough's shot. Um, you know, when a player like that goes down early, you know you're going to be in trouble. We needed leadership. We needed someone to 
you know, show the younger guys and kind of lead the younger guys uh, on the bench and and on the ice. And you kind of lost that. You lost a key player, and I knew the Rangers were going to be in trouble after that. But I still thought that, you know, I know you touched on this a little bit, that the youth, a lot of the, you know, younger players, you were kind of pleased with how they were playing. It was it was more of the, the older guys, and it was their ability to just be – you know, n- never being able to get the job done on the power play. I mean, going over over six, over seven, you know, in the first game, you know, that's just unacceptable. You got to be ready to play. I, there's no excuses for it. You know, Panarin was in the playoffs last year. He overachieved. You know, Zavenajad's been around for a while. He kind of understands. We talked about Kreider. There's no excuse for for Kreider to show up in the last game and really only show up for one period in that last game. And then, you know, listen, our defense, I'll give them a pass because the only one who's really been there for a long time was Stahl. And we all know, you know, I, I think he's the worst player in the entire NHL. Yeah, you that's, know what? That's pretty harsh, but um, but you're, but he's definitely, I mean, look, he played third pair of minutes. You know, D'Angelo was hurt, you know, so there goes your power play. Um, he had a pulled groin or, or pulled hamstring. Um, obviously, it's just Sturkin not starting. Giving up a soft goal. Well, Hank one, and Net, one, you want to, let's talk about that because Hank and Hank and Net, um, I, I although I don't think he's the reason why we lost. Again, Hank's legacy, he, Hank's legacy, he just never seems to make his goals that he lets in. Sometimes are so soft that, and then he makes ten incredible saves. But l- let's be honest, people are always going to remember. The bench is always going to, you know, be like, oh my god, if he just saved that one, you know. You can't let a goal that soft to start the series. You can't. It's a momentum shift, and it's so hard to recover in the playoffs, you know, especially for a younger team. You're not going to be able to recapture momentum against a Carolina team that really, you know, I'm not going to say they played a trap, but they played really tight box in their own zone. They don't let you breathe. And, you know, I, I just felt like the Rangers were doomed from the start, and it was all because of their their – veterans like i'm gonna blame it on them but well uh, let's talk about hank like you said real quick yeah excuse me i'm sorry so hank is a guy who needs to play every day okay he he, that's who he is he's a guy who needs to play he needs to when he was playing 60 games a year that's when he was at his best the problem with hank now is number one he can't play 60 games a year because he's too old and you know it's just it's just it takes a toll on somebody like that. But when he plays, if he's going to play 35 games a year, he's not going to be as effective because he's not playing every day. So it's, it's a conundrum, you know, for him. And the problem here is that Hank needs to play every day. Well, what did he do? Did he, but he played, he played a half a game against the Islanders and then he gets, then he gets tossed in. If he had played, you know, if, if this was a regular playoff season and, and Shesterkin were to get hurt on the last game of the season and Hank had, you know, Hank had played, you know, six of the last 12 or 13 games of the season and went into the playoffs, they might have had a better chance. But for a guy like him to sit around for four months and then be expected to come in and, and be Hank, it's not that was never going to happen. And that was another big issue. Uh, once the series started, I knew that they were in trouble because – and what happens? He gives up a, a soft goal a minute in, a minute and one, whatever it was. Uh, he gave up a soft goal in the second game. And now you got a team with 11 rookies, with a team with, with really zero playoff experience, if you think about it. Okay, Panarin, Kreider, uh, Zibanejad played in two series, I think. Uh, you know, Mark Stahl, but Mark Stahl is who he is. Um, but after that, so many guys with no playoff experience. Now you're coming from behind against a team like that. You you can't you can't poke a, uh, you can't put a pinhole in the, in the in the in the beach ball of a team. Um, 
that's you know that's that fragile to begin with because they've got they don't have their goalie that they were expecting to have the goalie gives up a the, the goal you know a veteran goalie who they say you know they all say they trust but I think they all know that the team's played better in front of Shesterkin so now you got a guy who gives up a soft goal a minute and it's like man you gotta be kidding me now we're now we're gonna start playing from behind in this series against this team I think that really had a major effect on on everything and like I said you you kind of knew that after fast gets blown up and then uh, Hank gives up a soft goal you don't have your goalie. You know, you, now you don't have four lines. You know, h- how are you going to win that game? And once you're down a game against that team, you know, now, okay, now we'll go out and play game two, and same thing happens. First goal is a soft goal, and here we go again. So, and everybody thought, oh, may- maybe they can squeak out of game three. Maybe. And they didn't. And believe it or not, I really don't think they played that bad. I mean, a lot of people were pretty hard on a lot of these guys. But you know what? Those first of all, different different officiated game, and and you know there was just no there was no no room out there for anybody to to, to do what they do during the regular season. You know they're very they're that first line, uh, it, actually the first two lines are both very creative lines. Advantage has a creative player. Strom's a creative center who likes to make a lot of you know a lot of East Coast East West passes and all that. That stuff was was gone. That stuff all went away. It was all north south. Everybody driving the net and you know and, and a lot of you know, a lot of uh, cross-checking and getting slammed around in front of your own net and in front of the other team's net. Once the, once that game turned into that, the Rangers were doomed, and they, they know it. You know, I think I think Gordon and Davidson know that, that. They knew it going in, but they certainly know it now that, man, they need, you know, not having Brendan Smith in the lineup the first game made a difference. Uh, but they know they need at least another couple guys like that. You need a, 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 a one guy on your third line and two guys on your fourth line that you're not going to worry about. Those three guys – you, we know you're not getting 20 goals. I mean, we're not worried about it. We need you guys to make the other team, you know, look over their shoulder when they go down to the corners to get the pucks and make them, you know, make them uh, think about skating through the middle of the ice with their head down. So right now the Rangers don't have any of those guys. They really they have Brendan Lemieux who gets, you know, 11 or 12 minutes of ice time a night because he's on the third and fourth line most of the time. And half the game he's in the box because the referees can't stand them for whatever reason. But, you know, who else is, who else in the teams, who else in the Rangers scares you out there? Anybody? No, I mean, I, I listen. Grit is obviously something that the Rangers need. Uh, they they certainly don't have it. Like you said before, Trub was probably the only one where I would say he's gonna. He played with the, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, a chip on his shoulder, like something he's got to prove. Uh, they needed more of that. They didn't have it. Kreider is one that could be that guy. If he if Kreider didn't worry about all the other things and he just decided, you know what, I'm just gonna go out there and I'm gonna hit. I'm going to hit everybody that has the puck and that's all I'm going to do. Like just let him go, take the leash off and just let him run around the ice and hit everything that moves. I think he'd be way more effective. I mean, the problem is he can't stand up on his feet after he throws the hit, but at least, you know what? People are going to think twice when Kreider's out there, you know, every time I touch the puck, this guy's going to be all over me. He's got the speed. He's got the size. Um, every, every year he's in the greatest shape showing up in the camp. So there's no excuses in terms of being out of shape. Um, well, you just said it. There's two options here. Kreider can beat you with his speed, or he can, or he can, he can muscle you and knock you around out there. The problem is he did neither. Okay, so you said you know take the leash off. I don't think there is a leash on him. I don't think I don't think Quinn says don't go out there and hit anybody. No, go out there and hit people when you're when you're supposed to hit people, and go out there and and, and drive the net hard when you're supposed to, and use your speed. That's your game, and that's what he should be doing. But he chooses not to. And, you know, you know, 
if you've been, I'm sure there's been a thousand articles on, on Alexi Lafreniere and they talk about his hockey IQ, hockey IQ. And um, I, I don't think Kreider has the hockey IQ. And now everybody says, oh, he's so smart. He speaks nine languages. He went, you know, he went to Boston College and graduated with honors. Yeah, I get all that. There was a guy who, uh, you know, when I worked at West Point, there was a kid that went to school there. And I would never mention his name, obviously, but he was like second in his class at West Point. He was the dumbest hockey player you ever saw in your life. So it doesn't correlate if you're a very smart person no. to being a very smart hockey player. And Kreider is that example, I think. I don't think he's I don't think he's a real super smart hockey player. Because I've seen him in interviews. Guys ask him about a play and he has no idea what they're talking about. You know, most guys will say, Oh yeah, that play there, yeah, I meant to do this and this happened. But he'll he'll literally say, Yeah, no, I don't really remember that. So, you know, I don't think he has the hockey IQ to, you know, to be a super smart player. So what he has to be is he's got to be tough to play against. He's got to use his speed and his strength. To, you know, to, to crash the net and to forecheck, but you can't do it once every three or four games. You got to do it every night. Yeah. I mean, listen, if, I, if I'm Quinn, if I'm the coach, the coaching staff right now, listen, he, he doesn't have a future on the first or second line. He's going to end up being on the third line. And I'm going to tell him, listen, don't worry about, you know, the expectations that everyone has for you in terms of, you know, point production. Cause obviously it's never there year after year. It's the same old story. Um, I would tell him, listen, just focus on one part of your game. And that game is going to be just be a disruptor. Just all you keep your stick on the ice and run around like a madman and just have fun out there and just cause chaos. And, you know, I, I, you would hope that you get a different result and just let him focus on one thing and be really good at that one thing. Um, I don't know if he's got the personality to embrace that kind of role. Uh, maybe he will once he realizes, you know, the success the team might have with him fulfilling that role on a, on a third line. But uh, yeah, I, I think you said it right when I think the Rangers are really going to regret signing him to that big of a term. And uh, you know, for that amount of money for a third line winger who, you know, is going to score in the, in the, you hope he hits 60 points a season. You hope fingers crossed. And, and his points are only going to go down if he's not playing with Zibanejad. So 40, 50 point player, maybe, um, yeah, he, I mean, at, at six and a half million or six and three quarter million, he has to be a 60 point guy. You have to be. I mean, I figure 10 points a million. That's the way I, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, I look at Panarin, yeah. 11 million. He was on his way to 110 points. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Savannah Jad's probably going to get nine million. He'll he'll be a 90 point guy, uh, at least an 80 point guy. So, but if this guy's getting six million, he's got to be that's 60 points. Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch our podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast, giving you guys European hockey. You know, James and I on our last podcast, uh, or actually two podcasts ago, uh, before we were gushing over winning the first overall pick, uh, this one obviously stung, but do you think the silver lining of them getting embarrassed do you think that the rangers kind of uh maybe not even a look in as so much as a reminder of the things we just talked about do you think 
that in the long run for Jeff Gordon and, and John Davidson to really see what it looks like to, yes, the players are young, but you know, you talk about the composition and the being difficult to play against. Do you think in the long run, do you think this is a good thing that this happened TD that now maybe, you know, this is going to be an unpre, especially now they know with the flat cap. And I think it'll be a real interesting summer for restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents, just who gets qualified. Do you think that this will have a probably a larger effect uh, at least this, you know, this coming season and maybe into next season on how Gordon and John Davidson uh, decide to build this team? You know, do you think they maybe because you, you look at some of the the you know what they've brought in over the last few seasons and, you know, comp, you know, Strom and just complimentary pieces for some, you know, they've definitely been trying to amass the skill that they never had in front of Lundquist, but you know, it's almost like they've, they have uh, on paper a team that's almost trending to be almost maybe the opposite of what they had and that they had a bunch of competent role players and no, no superstars. And now they have a bunch of offensive talent, but they are, they, you know, they, they have kind of, uh, they lack the workmen. So do you think going forward, TD, do you think that this may, be maybe a blessing in disguise because it really reminds them oh that's right like we need to make sure that these guys are in our lineup oh absolutely i i I don't think i don't think this is something that they didn't already know i don't know if they knew it quite to this extent but now you know so you've got you've got panarin you're going to have lafreniere who's going to be you know who's going to be an 18 year old you're going to have buchnevich who's not a very tough player or hard to play against and then you've got um you know, Strom, Zabanajad, those guys, you know, they're very, very skilled players, but they don't have that grit. Well, now you, is, is Kratzoff going to be that guy? Or is that somebody that now you may have to say, you know what, he's going to be part of a package that we have. We, we have enough of those guys. You've got Kako, who, again, you know, good size, but not, you know, he's a skilled guy. Um, maybe it's maybe it's Kratzoff's like, well, look, we, we have six, seven, eight skilled guys in the lineup. It, you know what? Maybe maybe we got to package you for you know for somebody else who's going to be who's going to bring us that grit. You know, a third line guy. Um, and I understand he was a ninth overall pick, and you know maybe you get more than that for him. I think I think teams are going to want to see him play for us. He's played thirty five games in the United yeah. States so far, or you know in, the North, in North America. So, um, but yeah, I mean that's that's he's probably going to be a casualty of this. They they have a lot of skill, but they don't have any any grit and toughness and they need it. It's, it's obvious if you're going to succeed in the playoffs. And I think, I still think, again, I still think they're doing things the right way. You know, he's got another 10 draft picks this year, uh, including obviously number one and probably somewhere around 23, 24 uh, in the first round. I think he's got two in the third, two in the fourth and two in the seventh or whatever it is. They you know, he's got 10 picks. He's done a fantastic job of stockpiling picks and, and talent. And now you've got to start, Going over the going over the edge now, going the other direction of taking some of that younger talent, bringing in some veterans that are that are low dollar veterans, but are and don't have to. You know, we don't need a fifty goal scorer. We have those guys. You know, we you know Kako's probably going to get twenty five to thirty goals next year. Looking at the way he played in those three games, he's starting to turn the corner. You got to pencil in Lafreniere for at least forty points as, as a rookie. Um, you know, as a Banajad, you hope he has the same year. You hope Panarin has a, a similar year, maybe not an MVP season. You got you got to figure. You know, again, if Kreider doesn't come up with twenty five goals, then then that, then he's a bust at six million dollars. So you've got plenty of scoring. Um, you've got some really good talent on the back end as far as skill. Again, you've got D'Angelo if you decide to keep him. You've got Lindquist still coming up, um, and obviously you've got Fox. You've got some some toughness with Lindgren. Um, 
who else falls into that D and we can talk about that, uh, you know, some thoughts on who, who replaces one of those two guys is definitely not going to be back, whether it's Smith or Stoll. I'm assuming it's going to be Stoll um, with one year left on his contract. It's a two year buyout. So you'll, you'll get some money back out of that. Um, but there's no way you can, you can put those guys in both those guys in the lineup next year. You just can't do it. Yeah. If you want to have any kind of success, the problem is Miller obviously needs, he needs at least 50 games in the AHL before you can find, even find out if he's ready. So you, they're going to have to sign somebody uh, or trade for somebody, you know, again, somebody who's in the $2 million range, who's just going to be a steady third pair defenseman. Um, and then you hope maybe Lieber Hayek can, can step up and you got, again, another guy, we don't know what he is yet. You got to give him 40, 50 games in the NHL and find out. And I think that's what their plan is going to be. For this season coming up, it's going to be okay. We know what we have. Let's see what we what what we have that we don't know what it is. Figure out who those guys are and if they can help us. Um, but getting back to your original question, yeah, I think I think these guys knew all along that they, they they were were uh, were not prepared for this type of a playoff situation. They're just they're just not ready. They're not there. It's been two years. I mean, you gutted this entire team, um, and you got a lot of young. You know, the second youngest team in the league. Um, so you've got a lot of guys that have zero playoff experience that weren't ready, and they they knew it. Um, and again, one step at a time. You can't you can't replace, you know, all your D, all your forwards, all your toughness. You know, your, your goalie. And look, if you think about how much they've done, like they've got a starting goalie for next year, one that's probably going to be there for ten years. You know, they've got a couple of good power play defensemen, um, and they have obviously who they have up up front. They've got Zabanajet, who's only twenty seven. Uh, you know, Panarin, who's 28, going to be 29, but he's, you know, he's showing zero signs of, of slowing down. Thank God for that, because he's got six more years left on his contract. And you've got a lot of youth coming up that looks pretty talented. Um, obviously, Kako looks like he's he's going to be at least a top six forward for sure. Um, and Lafreniere, you know, we'll see what he is. You, you see the numbers that he's put up, you know, put up 126 points or whatever it is in junior hockey. I think he's got 273 points in three years in like 140 games or something, he's going to be a player. I think we all know that. Every, you know, anybody can be a bust. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's so smart, and he's got such great hands. So they have all that skill. Now it's time, like I said, if you have to take some of these pieces and start moving guys out, you know, if you have to trade us, I think they should move Strom. I don't think he's the answer long term. I don't think he's a $5 million player, but coming off a 65-point season, uh, you know, a shortened season, he was heading for 70 points. He's going to be looking for five and a half, six million dollars. I don't think, I don't think he's the answer as your second line center. So, I think Strom goes, and you bring in a tougher guy. Um, one of my uh, recommendations, and this, you guys may think this is absolutely crazy, if you could sign Joe Thornton for one year for one point two million, he made a million dollars in San Jose last year. If, you could, if he would sign for one point two, he because one thing that this team is definitely lacking, and it's proof that they've gone three years without a captain. They have no leadership. They don't. And you know what? I bring Joe Thornton in, put him on the third line. You put him with Kreider and Kratzov if you want, and and you and you put roll him out there. But you say, listen, Joe, we're going to play you. For, we're going to sign you for one year. You can go off back to San Jose if you want, retire as a shark. But we want to bring you in here. And at the end of the season, I have one question for you: Who's my captain? That's what I want to know because you'll know because you've been in a locker room for twenty-two years or whatever it is. You'll know who my captain is. And you know what? We don't know because we're not in the locker room. We're not at practice. We're not in the locker room. We don't know. We see what's going on on the ice and we say, oh, yeah, Zibanejad should be captain because he had 77 points. 
it doesn't work that way. We need to know who is that guy who's always going to be the guy to step up in the locker room when guys aren't playing well, when guys aren't doing their job on the ice. Who's going to be that guy? And I think Joe Thornton bringing him in for a million bucks, a million two, at least at least at the end of the season or halfway through the season, he'll be able to tell you that. So we need a third line center anyway, you know. So why not bring him in for for a million two and, and just hopefully hopefully he stays healthy enough to be on the ice and you know not a big role. Obviously, you, uh, you figure out who your second line center is, whether you bring somebody in. I'm still pushing for them to bring in uh, Dvorak from, from Arizona. No, um, yeah. Well, well let's talk. What? Let's talk about that because okay. look what just happened to Arizona. <laughs> if they don't start from scratch, I don't know what they're going to do. What are they going? They're, they're going to lose Taylor Hall. You have the end of Phil Kessel. Uh, you have Derek Stepan, who's at the end of his career. Who who are they building around? I mean, Ekman, Ekman Larson is a, has been there for how long? And this is probably how many playoffs? Tw- twice? For him. No, this for is him. the first one for him. Yeah. This is the first one for him. So, listen, Arizona is going to have to rebuild uh, and start from scratch. Uh, they're done. They're toasted. And they have no picks. They don't even have a pick in the first round this year. I don't know what they're going to do. There's no way that this team can improve next year. Like, or even the years to follow without, you know, without drafting and building something through their organization. Cause they're never going to really land a key piece. The only chance that Arizona has to do anything in the near future is if Toronto won a Stanley cup and Austin Matthews is like, all right, I did my job in Toronto. Now I'm going to spend, you know, I'm coming, home, my yeah. I'm, going, I'm coming home and I'm going to have some fun playing hockey in Arizona and help, you know, build a community, be a captain. And you know what? He could be a legacy there if he brings them to a Stanley cup final. Yeah, that's not happening. He's not leaving Toronto. They're not going to let him. Yeah, I mean, but that's the only hope that Toronto, um, Arizona has. Yeah, and, not happening. Yeah, so. And you know what? They couldn't afford him anyway. Well, right know. now they can. Yeah, obviously. Um, so I mean, he's, got gonna, five, he's got five more years left on his contract and, with, with a no trade. So he'd have to want to go there. Oh, yeah. No. He's, yeah. He signed through 2024 at $11.6 million. Austin Matthews is not going to Arizona. So then what do they do? They they traded their number one pick and a couple of pretty good prospects to get Taylor Hall. Are you going to let him walk? I mean, I after mean, this playoffs, I mean, they just, wa- they just lost 7-1 back-to-back games to end their playoff run against, you know. Against a powerhouse like, team that's I, definitely going to the finals. That team, that, that team is, they got they unstoppable. Yeah. 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 They look unstoppable, but I mean, that's unacceptable. I mean, this is still the playoff hockey. It's still playoff hockey. You still have to show up seven, one back to back is, I mean, you can't even blame that on one thing. That's an, you have to re you have to gut everything. Taylor Hall's not going to want to be there. I, you can, you know, those guys like step on and stuff like that. They're like, what the hell just happened? Like, what do we have to do to get to that level? I just don't see it happening. It's Arizona at the end of the day. So I really major cap trouble because they're the they're the worst team in the league as far as cap space. Yeah, and now obviously with the drama around Chaka, uh, uh, they might get penalized for you know they they got caught uh, probably testing you know or submitting uh, prospects to tests uh, outside of league regulation, so they might get docked uh, you know either fined or possibly some uh, cap you know or I mean some draft pick penalty for that. They now, you know, they had that messy uh, public breakup with their GM. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it hasn't the way he wanted to build this team hasn't 
exactly worked out. So I guess uh, the question is for them, or at least as it relates to the Rangers, is that, you know, we've talked about how much we a, a young player like Christian Dvorak would be just what this team needs. If let's say they they are they do restructure James and they try to get rid of, you know, see if Jalmerson if people will bite on these older players like Jalmerson and step on and, you know, their young core, I guess, as it stands technically is Keller Schmaltz or not Schmaltz. Well, maybe uh, Keller Dvorak, uh, Christian Fisher, uh, J- uh, Jacob Chickering. Right. But, you know, yeah, that's not that's a, it. it doesn't exactly blow your skirt up. Um, so you do have to wonder if like uh, TD said, if, if the Rangers could offer them some young, maybe albeit, uh, unproven skill but with top ups you know with the good upside if they could get quantity even if it down the line it looks like oh man these players pan out you know if craft does become a legit top six offensive talent um but you know what do you i think it's one of those things where it's like you can't really put uh especially if you look at dvorak and and the way he's trending and how young he is and how good you know, his uh, underlying metrics are so good for how he pushes, you know, possession and positive play that, yeah, you, you, there's a lot of teams with the, with the, uh, the static cap for the next few seasons that are going to have to make some tough decisions, especially, you know, teams like Arizona, teams like Toronto that are, you know, maybe a, a cautious look into the Rangers future if they don't start maybe adding those different elements to their team. So yeah, you have to wonder if at some point uh, the Rangers can, exploit this somehow and use their all the draft capital and young picks and players that they've amassed and maybe start packaging to pursue these different uh, elements for to construct their team moving forward so yeah. let me ask you a question if you're if you're arizona and and jeff gordon calls and says i'll give you my second first round pick and leah sanderson or christian dvorak Ooh. now if you're planning on keeping taylor hall you got to you got to move somebody because no one's taking yeah. Phil Kessel. No, no you're not trading Chickering. You're not trading trading uh, Clayton Keller. You're not trading your captain Oliver Larkin-Ross. And those guys all have big contracts. They're making good money. Someone has to go, and you're not going to. You know what? No one's taking Jarmelson for five million dollars either. No. He's only got one year left. But no one. So you so you you ride out one more season with him at five million. But who who else do you have that 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 will actually bring you back something? You know, you, you can trade Jarmelson. No one's going to give you anything for him if you could trade him. I don't think anyone would take him. Yeah. You know, so many teams just have so much cap trouble. You know, a lot of this, of course, with the Rangers is based on if Hank retires, which, you know, I think signs are starting to point in that direction. That that gives them eight and a half million dollars of cap rate with that. You know, then they can do whatever they want. Um, and then if they buy out Stoll also, that, that gets, you know, gets them another three million, I think. So that gives them that gets them up to like 20 million, 22 million in cap space. Then they'll be in good shape. Yeah. But again, you know, I'm, I'm targeting a player who, who fits what the Rangers need. Well, you know, TD, uh, Andy, I don't know if we spoke about this on the last podcast or this was just a, you know, private conversation. Um, you brought up a player on the lightning, uh, Sorelli, um, oh. bring him in. You know, I don't know what, the Tampa Bay cap situation situation is like, and I don't know, you know, if they're willing to break away from a player like that, who's probably key into, you know, a Stanley cup run. Um, but there's a team that, you know, there, this is their window right now. It's the next, you know, it was last year, this year, and maybe next year. I don't know how long you can keep this core together, but you know, uh, you know, McDonough's getting another year older, 
you're you're gonna have to you know eventually you know get rid of some of these players uh Sorelli is a guy that you brought up last time how realistic is is something like that and what would you expect uh the Rangers have to give away for a player like him well he's he's an RFA after the season Okay. So without and he doesn't have arbitration. So you know, for nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, they're not moving him. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's that's a cost of that's a cost-effective player that they have. Uh, you know, obviously they've got some some guys making some really big money. You know, Kucherov, Stamkos, even Braden Point's making money. And then they're going to rue the day they signed. They gave McDonough his extension because he's making six seven five uh, all the way through twenty twenty-six. He had eleven points this year. You know, and he played every game during the regular season. So he wasn't hurt. He had one goal and 10 assists in the regular season this year. So, uh, but getting back to Sorelli, I don't see them moving him right now because why would you? you I mean, you'd have to bowl him over to get, get a guy like that because he's got, you know, they can sign him to a, you know, $1.5 million two-year contract uh, after this year as an RFA. You're not moving a guy that can give you that for that kind of money. No way. Yeah, I mean, so I, I do think the Rangers need to bring in, though, um, you know, Dvorak or Sorelli. I mean, obviously, those are just, you know, imaginary pieces right now. But I do I do really think that, like, a Joe Thornton is probably the direction that the Rangers should go into. Someone who's short-term, one year, uh, can bring leadership and just the knowledge of the game. And, you know, I mean, who who better right now in the league than, you know, Joe Thornton? Maybe a Pavelski, but he's still got enough life in him where, you know, he, he's looking for a Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah, you know, he, you know he's got a three-year deal that, that and then they wouldn't. They, Dallas isn't trading him anyway. The no, reason why I said no. Thornton is because he's a free agent. Yep. He would sign for a year. I just think that this team really, the one thing they have a lot of skill. They're missing grit, but they don't. I don't see any leadership. I don't think Kreider's a leader at all. You know, people no. talked about oh, they signed him to this term to give him the C. You can't give a guy the C who shows up once every three games. You can't do it. And and you know, Thornton it is a guy he talked about before that. You know who are who who are the teams afraid of on the New York Rangers roster? He said maybe Truba, maybe Truba, but you know, bringing in a guy like Thornton is one of those guys where you know, listen, the refs are not going to touch him. He is going to you know be the disciplinary on the ice. You know you're you're going to have to go through Joe Thornton. You're going to have to you know go toe to toe with him. I I feel like he'd be willing to drop the gloves. He'd be a fan favorite. You know I, I just. I think that's like a great fit. I couldn't even think of anything better than that could be out there for one year cheap. You know, he's got the legendary status and I think he'd be able to really teach, especially the younger centers. Cause I don't know, is Morgan Barron going to be on the New York Rangers roster next year? He's got, well, he, well, he's, he's got a he's shot, gonna a but he's going to get a chance out of camp. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think he's another player like TD had mentioned before with some of these guys, I think outside of them really impressing you in camp, you might want to, you know, see what they have at, at, with at least 30 games in the AHL, but um, he'll have a shot out of camp, I guess. Cause I'm mildly- yeah, I think they've learned, I think they've learned their lesson with Leah Sanderson and, and guys, and even Howden, who I think probably could have used another, could have used a year in the AHL now coming yeah. out of the WHL, which is probably the, the weakest of the three Canadian hockey leagues and, and junior hockey to go, to go from the WHL right into New York, I think that was asking a little too much of Howden as well. Now, look, it is what it is. It's done. He's played two years. Uh, and I really think he's going to end up being the piece that goes in the expansion draft next summer. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think these guys just need, they need to develop 
particularly guys, you know, obviously the Europeans definitely need to come over here and play in, play in the North American rink before they're ready to play in the NHL. Um, you know, even Kako probably could have used 30, 40 games in the AHL last year. Wouldn't have killed him, but you know, he's the number two overall pick and you, you got to play him. So, you know, everyone's kind of, kind of directed to do, uh, do you know, to, to bring up a guy like that, because, you know, that's what we're told we have to do, but he could, you know, he could have certainly benefited from even a half a season in the AHL last year, no doubt about it. Oh, um, so I think any, you know, particularly like Morgan Barron college guy plays in the Ivy league. I think they only played 28 games in a season. You know, he spent the last three years playing 28 game seasons. Are you ready to throw him into the NHL for an 82 game season? The, I don't pro- think he would be ready either. The problem is, I don't know if the AHL is, you know, are, are they really going to, are they going to have a season? What, what is their season they, even going to look like? Said they're, they're looking to start up this, around the same time. The NHL is projected to in December. Okay. But how, you know, how they pull this off, <laughs> do they have the resources, you know, does the, does the NHL pitch in, uh, yeah, who knows, but yeah. And like, I, how, don't think how, the AHL, I don't think the AHL counts on ticket revenue as much as the league does because tickets are so cheap and there's only, you know, yeah. four or five, 6,000 fans at what, $12 a ticket. So I think financially, I think they could probably do it. And, you know, they're, they are financed partially by, by their NHL affiliates. So, um, I think they would be. Uh, I think they would be able to get going. I mean, they might have to do the, you know, twenty-five or thirty percent, whatever it is, in the stands, which probably some teams don't even care because that's all they get anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I've, I've been to a game up in an AHL game in Springfield. I think there was maybe maybe less than half a half a stadium was filled up. Uh, I've been to Albany when the Devils were still there. There was less than, less than half a stadium. So, you know, if they got to say, okay, we're we're going forty percent, they'll be fine. You know, it'll be just like last year, basically. So, all right. Um, well, I had another question. I know Andy hates when I put it on my tinfoil hat, but um, <laughs> a huge piece I think that can answer well, it will help us answer more questions or kind of have a better idea of what we should be doing um, over the next couple of years is whether or not Henrik Lundqvist retires. Now, I personally think, and you're going to, everyone could say I'm wrong. I really don't care. I personally think that the Shashurkin injury was fake. They gave Hank one shot to make an impact. They knew that they weren't really, they probably didn't have a chance anyway. Let's let Hank ride it out. Let's let stall ride it out. We're going to buy out stall and Hank's going to retire next year. Um, is it really worth Hank coming back? I know he's going to make a, you know, he makes some money this next year, but realistically after the New York tax is coming out, he really could just go home to Sweden and make just as much money play every single day. And he'd be doing the Rangers a favor and he'll always have the option to come back to New York um, and, you know, be a color analyst and, and, you know, kind of work in the booth or, or I think he even could come in as a, the next, you know, goalie coach for the New York Rangers after, um, Oh God, his name slips in mind. Benoit French. Uh, French name, but he could work under him a couple of years and, and maybe go, you know, be a goalie coach somewhere. Um, I think there's a lot of options for him here in New York. And, uh, you know, where, where do you see Hank next year? And, um, you know, you can call me crazy. Uh, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think the last time we spoke, uh, when I was on your podcast last time, I suggested that he would probably retire. You know, again, he's an eight and a half million dollar cap hit, but I think he's only a three, uh, what is he, a three and a half million dollar salary in his last year because he made like 11 for the first three. So, the you know, that was his, his cap hit is his average salary, but the last year I think is three and a half. So after taxes in New York, what is that? 
2 million at the most. And again, I'm not saying $2 million is anything to sneeze at and it's something you want to walk away from. However, if you can make, if you, if he's already made, I think I added up the other day, I think he's made $117 million in his career over all his contracts since he's been a Ranger. If you can make $117 million, that's including all his endorsements because they list that as well. Um, all his endorsements. He's still he's still the king. Do you want to be that guy who says no? I want my money. I don't care if you're going to play me or not. And say, okay, that's great. Well, we're not raising your jersey to the rafters anytime soon. If you're going to if you're going to you know you're going to hold us up for a couple million dollars, or do you just say, you know what, I'll go home for a year, hang out with my family, wait till this whole COVID thing's completely blown over, and then next year I'll come back and either work for the Rangers in the booth or I'll sign with somebody else as a backup goalie or whatever. But I, I really think he'll, he's going to retire and step away this year, knowing that if you've got, if, if you've got Shesterkin healthy, he's going to play 60 games. So Hank, even if we trade uh, Grigoriev and, and let you be the backup, you really want to sit on the bench for 60 games and watch hockey at, at your age and in, in your financial situation, you don't need the money. Uh, and again, like I said, we'll make it up to you somewhere else down the road. We'll get you your $2 million in salary working for us as an analyst or as a coach or whatever it is. So I personally think that you're 100% right. I really do think that he's going to pack it in and just take the year off. And whether or not he comes back and plays again somewhere else, obviously, you know, we won't know till next year. But I really think, you know, with, with starting the season in December and, and crunching all the games and trying to get 82, you know, full 82 game schedule in and try and finish by, I think they said they want to finish by, by July 15th next year or July 30th so they can start the following year on time. Yeah, I, I don't see, I don't see Hank wanting to stick around for that. So why not go back to Sweden for a year and let your kids enjoy, you know, grandma and grandpa and hang out with your brother and play over there if you want to and, yeah, I think that's what his plan is, uh, and I think I think seeing how unsuccessful he was in the playoffs this year, and I know everybody said he didn't play bad. Not playing bad is not good enough in this league. You got to be great. I mean, look at look at the goalies that are still in the in the playoffs right now. They've been fantastic, and he wasn't. So if you're not going to be fantastic at 38, why how are you, you going to be that much better at 39? So yeah, I, I think he's going to pack it in, and that gives the range. Like I said, that gives the Rangers eight and a half million dollars in cap relief, and man that changes everything. Yeah. That'd be a hell of a final gift to Rangers fans. I think even some of the the haters would, you know, much in the way uh, I'm trying to think who, uh, who was it? Was it Naslin that walked away from that final money? Like Rangers fans still love that guy simply for the fact that he, for, you know, he decided to save them, spare them that last year, that contract. So, I mean, a final parting gift to the Rangers would, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, saving them from that last year of his cap hit, I think would be uh, much appreciated. Yeah. And then, then he comes back in, you know, in, in, in 2022, whatever it is, beginning of 2022. And, um, you know, they give him his car and give the white the flowers and they raise his jersey to the banner, or the, you know, his jersey to the rafters. And, and then he's a hero, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a smart move for him. So, TD, I know we talked a lot about the Rangers and, um, you know, the playoff so far. There is a there is a question that I wanted to ask you that I didn't write down. So it's kind of going to hit you from, you know, a blind spot here. Bring it on. Because I, I've known you've been you've been, I think, a part of a lot of good ideas that the Rangers should or not the Rangers, the NHL should be doing uh, to help promote the game. And I do believe, do you take credit for the, the Sunday, uh, after football season's over hockey all day? You know what? 
not to pat myself on the back, but yes, back, back in, I think, 93, I was, um, I, own, I own my own uh, lawn irrigation company and Gary Bettman was a customer of mine and he had just become, he had just become the commissioner. And I went over to his house one day and we were, of course, talking hockey and he actually admitted at the time, he goes, look, I'm a businessman. I'm going to make this business work. I don't know a ton about hockey. And I started talking to him. I said, hey, you want a great idea? I said, um, the NFL has got Sunday afternoon from one o'clock to seven o'clock wrapped up every single Sunday. I said, and people every Sunday sit down in front of their televisions and watch football. I said, the week after the Super Bowl, I said, not three weeks, four weeks later, the week after the Super Bowl or in between uh, the conference final and the Super Bowl, you need to be on TV on Sunday afternoon because you want to get that crowd. Even if you get 20% of that crowd, that would be enormous. And he goes, oh, that's a great idea. Two years later, the NHL was on Sunday afternoons. So, yeah, I take credit for that. All right. Well, I got. I want to ask you this. Going forward now, this whole COVID thing, I feel like, gives the NHL a little bit a, of a uh, opportunity here. What do you? How do you feel about pushing the season starting later and finishing later and kind of capturing more of the late spring or, like, summer market in terms of TV? Because – your only competition in the summer would be baseball. Football's over in February. Um, basketball, I don't know if they'd be willing to do it. I know that there was talks that this could be permanent for them also. Um, you know, because in the, in the wintertime, I know there are a lot of people stay home. They're not out as much. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people, you know, when the nicer weather rolls around, you know, watching the tail end of meaningful hockey and then all the playoffs at the summer bars and everything – you can get, you know, some pretty good ratings that way. So do you think this could be an opportunity for the NHL to, to maybe keep this late, uh, uh, push it a little bit later and maybe not as drastic as December, but maybe, you know, Thanksgiving? Actually, I, I believe it or not, I think the opposite. I think they should start Monday after late, the Tuesday after Labor Day should be opening a, of training camp. And I think they should be starting the season by the third week in September and finish by Memorial Day and let summer be summer. And then let let the school year basically be hockey season, because I you know, look, I, I don't know what the ratings are right now. But the one thing that 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 the NHL has going for them right now is that there's really not else, a lot else going on. We, you know, we were fortunate that hockey was fortunate enough to be, that they started first. They started before basketball. They started, before, you know, I think they might even started before baseball. Um, if not, at least they had their plan in place. So I, I but I, I, look, I'm a hockey fan. I'm watching hockey in August. I'm walking, watching hockey in January. I think a lot of people that are average fans are not watching hockey right now, even though it's the playoffs, because, People are doing other things on, you know, Saturday afternoon games at 12 o'clock and one o'clock people are out flipping burgers on their grill in the wintertime. They're not doing that, you know? Yeah. But they're no. doing it. They're doing it now. Um, so I, I really think that the season should be basically the school year. So start the season, start training camp the day after Labor Day and wrap it up right around Memorial Day and let summer be summer and then let baseball have the summer and you rate the hockey just keeps, keeps that winter season. I, I, that's what I think. I don't think people, I don't think hockey fans are going to watch any more hockey because it's on in July than they would if it was on in September. I think hockey fans are who they are. We all watch hockey when it's on. So I think, I think they actually start to lose a little bit of the Stanley cup final being in June now. Well, not this year, obviously, but you know, for the last, 30 years it's been in june 
I think by the middle of June, I think people are just like, you know what, enough, you know, time for something else. So I think they should kind of condense the season a little bit. I know it's hard to play more games. The other thing that does too is, um, um, is what does that do for the Olympics and the World Cup and all that stuff? So, you know, um, and that's that's another one of my brilliant ideas, by the way, is I don't know why they don't just put hockey in the Summer Olympics. Yeah, uh, again. You spend you spend $10 billion building a track and field and a swimming pool and everything. Put a couple of hockey rinks in, too, while you're doing it. Put it in a city where they ha- they can have hockey. And then, you have, then you, you've solved all your problems with all this competition would stop in the middle of the season. So it's not a Winter Olympic sport. So what? basketball plays during the summer it works for them yeah again is it because it's like a canadian sport and they feel like it needs to be played during the winter i i 100 agree i i don't get why i mean you've we've spoken about this before and you know that's a no-brainer decision i don't know why they don't don't just move it um i mean it makes everything so much easier for everybody you play you, you play the, the olympics in july and that gives everybody you know six weeks to you know to rest up you know for the for the what how many guys are playing in the Olympics? A hundred, maybe of the 700 players, hundred guys are in the Olympics. It gives those guys a chance to rest up. And then you start up in September again, like they do now, or if you back it up a couple of weeks, but the bottom line is, yeah, if you're going to, if you want to do the Olympics, stop breaking, you know, stop making 600 guys go home for, for 14 or 15 or 18 days and just completely shut down their season. So a hundred guys can go play in the Olympics. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and what didn't do you mean, didn't mean to get off the path there, but. No, no, no. I like this. I kind of want to end. And what, what, I mean, what do you think about the, you know, uh, World Cup of Hockey? I know uh, Andy and I have had our thoughts about it, but um, what do you think of that tw- that tournament? And do you think it's something that the, you know, NHL should continue? I mean, it's fun to watch because it's hockey and, you know, it's usually being played when there isn't hockey being played. But the problem with the World Cup is it's great to watch U.S., Canada, Russia, Czech Republic, but do we really need to see, uh, and even Sweden, obviously, and Finland, but do we need to see, uh, you know, Denmark and Germany and who, who have what, you know, two or three guys each that play in the NHL and, you know, Slovakia and, and some of these other teams, you know, it's, we know who's going to be in the, in the, in the final four. It's going to be either U.S., Russia, Canada, Sweden, Finland, you know, that's who it's going to be basically every year. That's who's going to be, you know, pushing for the finals. None of those other teams are getting in anyway. Maybe the Czech Republic, maybe, and they, they haven't really, the last four or five years, they haven't really been the same either ever since they lost, you know, Jager and a few of those other big players. So well, that's why I like the the team Europe and then the, you know, the, the North American team. If you're under what I believe it was like 23 years old, you play for the team North America. Um, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting what they did there. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I like those international competitions. I'm I'm really happy that, you know, the NHL players are allowed to play in the Olympics again. I love all-star teams. I want to see these guys play together. I want to see Eichel and Austin Matthews, you know, uh, you know, you suit up together and go to battle and I it, it gives me an opportunity to root for guys that I normally wouldn't be pulling for. Um so I think the more of that, I think really will help grow the game and and just, you know, it allows, you know, fans an opportunity to engage, engage with different players and get familiar with different players from different teams. I think that's huge for the NHL going forward because, you know, we don't have the college or, you know, uh, you know, the college years to really, you know, develop a relationship with these players and and then watch them, you know, as they progress into the, into the pros, like they do in football and basketball. So I really do think that, you know, the NHL should be pushing these international competitions. Um, you know, just, just 
to get, allow fans, especially younger kids, to really you know develop a relationship with these players. So uh, I agree with that, but you you got a lot of roadblocks though. You know, I, I think a lot of these owners don't want their players playing competitive hockey during the summer. You know, you tear up your knee in, in some World Cup tournament in, in July or August, and now you know I don't I don't know I don't have you till January, and by that time we're twenty eight points out of a playoff spot. You know, um, and you know who who's going to pay your salary now? I'm not paying you for the th- four months that you're sitting on the sidelines with you know recouping your knee or your shoulder because you got hurt in some other tournament. That's not fair. Why should I have? Well, I'm the owner of the Rangers. Panarin goes over to Russia and plays hockey during the summer in the World Cup and gets hurt, and he's out for half a season. You want me to pay you now? That's not fair. So those are, and again, I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm just saying those are roadblocks that those types of tournaments always uh, are going to face in situations like that. Do you want your players playing outside of your regular? Look, you're playing 80 games. You're playing another four or five exhibition games. You're playing another, hopefully, 25 or you know, 24 playoff games. Is 100 games not enough? We need to play more hockey. I think, and again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that's the other side of it. That's who's saying, I don't really love this idea because of this injuries. Who's paying for people if they get hurt is a hundred games a season enough. You know, I mean, look at the, um, the penguins when they won the Stanley cup back to back, I think they played 208 games in two, in two seasons between preseason, regular season and playoffs. Man, that's a lot of hockey in two years, man. So Asking yeah. guys to play more hockey now, I think it's just, uh, you know, you know what? Just like everybody else, these guys grind it out for, you know, everybody thinks it's so glamorous to play in the NHL, but you got to think about, you know, watching those guys block shots and, 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 and just, you know, slam, slam into each other and slam each other into the boards every single night. It's like, you know what? I need a few months off, man. I, I, I'm pretty banged up. I, I don't want to play in July and August regular season. Not, not, not this year, obviously, but. I think a lot of guys think that way too. You know, once every four years, yeah, I'll fine. I'll go represent my country and play for 10 days in a tournament. I'll do that. But to say I'm going to do that every year, I don't think guys are going to be interested in playing hockey during the summer. Everybody needs their time off. Yeah, no, I, I mean, if the World Cup of Hockey obviously doesn't need to be every year, but every four years, maybe rotate it so it's every two years you're playing that summer tournament. Um, that's if the Olympics gets moved to the summer. Uh, Andy. Yeah. Uh, any any final kind of final thoughts? I mean, I'm going to let TD kind of send us off here um, with uh, one last question of his expectations going into next season. But uh, uh, you have anything to add in terms of the international talk? And uh, No, I, I think in that regard, I agree with with both of you. Like, you know, there's there for both the Olympics and, uh, you know, NHL sponsored tournaments, the there is potential but at the same time like uh, td mentioned those roadblocks are real you know and i mean even as it relates to you know we spent the first half of uh the podcast you know or his opening talking about you know things as simple as ice quality and those you know there's so many things that factor into these uh decisions so um but i i agree with both of your points but no i think uh, just re- we i think a great way to wrap this up would be to talk about you know, maybe uh, without getting too much into details, just about maybe some expectations for uh, next season. TD, the floor so, is yours. Okay, so my expectations for the Rangers next season, I see uh, Jeff Gordon and John Davidson just staying the course. Uh, I think they're doing a fantastic job. I think Gordon's been unbelievable. If you think about what this team was like, uh, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, like I think maybe six years ago, 
they had no cap space and they had Dylan McElrath playing forward who couldn't even really play D obviously, cause he's not in the league. Uh, and they had him playing forward because they couldn't even call somebody up. So they, and they had two forwards hurt and they didn't have, but anybody to have, and, and have, if you look at their draft for the previous six or seven years where they had, you know, one number one pick who ended up being a bust. And, and I think that was McElrath in 2010. And then, you know, not, I think they got, took JT Miller maybe the year after that, but after that, they haven't really had a lot of first round picks. I think they've done a fan. I think Gordon's done a fantastic job and JD obviously stepping in to help him out. Um, I see the Rangers next year being a playoff team. I think another year with Caco, another year with, with Fox. And I think bringing in obviously Lafreniere and I know we didn't really touch on him too much, but what's there to talk about? You know, they got to pick him first and then we'll talk about him right. uh, after he starts to play. But um I think they're. I think they're going to bring in one veteran for for leadership. I really do. I don't know if it's going to be Joe Thornton or not, but I think they're going to bring somebody in. I think they're going to bring in another left-handed defenseman for one year, who will who will hopefully cover them until until um, until Andre Miller's ready. Um, but I see the team. They're going to be fun to watch again next year during the regular season. No doubt about it. How far they get in the in the playoffs? We'll see what they do because, you know, it, it's not just, okay, it's opening night. This is your team, obviously. There's going to be trades along the way. There's going to be trades of need. You know, guys are going to get hurt. You know, some guys are going to exceed expectations. Some guys might tail off a little bit. We don't know if Saban Jet's going to have the kind of season he had or Panarin. So, again, there's a lot a lot of moving parts, obviously. Um, but I think they're going to be a very, very fun team to watch next year, all season long. Uh, I think they're going to win a lot more than they lose. Uh, I think they'll be uh, in in the playoff hunt all year long, um, and and I think they'll be poised to make a, a, at least win around next year. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully they go further than that. I still think they're at least another year away, um, and, and a lot of that has to do with the experience of all the young players. So, but I think again, they're going to be a, a really fun team to watch next year. Um, and my final thought: I have Tampa Bay and Colorado in the finals. Well, that's that's perfect for me because I bet those two teams. Uh, uh, before the season started to win the Stanley Cup. So if that's oh. the finals, I'm in a win-win situation and, and we'll have to go grab dinner and drink sometime. Sounds good. All right. Um, Andy. Yep. Any last words? No, I mean, uh, TD, thank you so much for coming on. You are always a wellspring of, uh, uh, you know, inspiration and uh, just level-headedness uh for a rangers fan base that can uh sometimes teeter on the uh well in the case of my uh, co-host maybe sometimes with the the tinfoil hat and on the edge but uh no but thank you so much uh <laughs> you know it's it definitely it definitely instills some confidence in in me to to know that uh you you know someone with your uh array of knowledge feels that this team is is still on the right path and that they've done things uh, well up to this point. So yeah, we thank you so much for coming on and we can't wait to have you on, uh, you know, who knows, maybe we'll have you on later this summer or just as we get started with the next season, uh, you know, when the Rangers start, you know, making moves and more, uh, more things come down the pipeline. Sounds great. Honestly, uh, a genuine pleasure to, to, to be on with you guys. You guys do a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, obviously I love being on, but I love listening to your to your other shows as well. James, you need to reel it in sometimes, but thank God you've got Andrew there to, to, to help you with that. So uh, everything's about. Yeah. Again, love to come back again sometime, maybe uh, around draft time or opening yep. night or we sometime around that would be fantastic. Absolutely. So we're looking forward to it. All right. All right. Well, thanks again, TD. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. Nice. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.